I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast, part of the 90 Min Football Network. As ever, I'm your host, Harry Simiou. This was due to be solely a member's mailbag episode, and it's now been hijacked by the uh, announcement that Marquinhos is Aguna. Uh, Arsenal have confirmed the signing of the 19-year-old Brazilian who will join up with his teammates in a few weeks' time for pre-season, which is great news. So it would be wrong of us not to start off by discussing that. But don't worry, we are, of course, going to be diving into some of your members' questions. And there are some juicy ones uh, this time around. We haven't done one of these shows for a few weeks, but I've picked out some really good ones. And I had a couple of emails as well, because we've got some members who aren't part of the Discord server and uh, and don't put the questions in there. So I've kind of gone back through the um, the Chronicles of Aguna email inbox, which I don't do anywhere near often enough, I have to say, uh, and dug out a couple from there as well. So we'll try and cover as many bases as possible. Uh, joining me are two of our members, two of our longtime members, uh, two huge supporters of the channel who I'm really, really grateful for. Uh, first up, Trev, how you doing, mate? How's uh, South London these days? Oh, it's all good, man. It's nice and sunny and hot and um, proper writing weather. So, <laughs> you know, I'm sure <laughs> Arsenal fans can find something to write about down here. But um, yeah, it's all good, man. How are you? And the family. Yeah, all good, all good. I was down your neck of the woods on Friday night. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I meant to Friday night. I meant to think, but I totally forgot about it. I was going to pop in to see you, but I totally forgot oh. about that. Yeah, you didn't miss much, mate. Don't worry. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> also joining us is the brilliant uh, Sam Tonks. How you doing, mate? Welcome back. All good, man. Yeah, to keep keeping well. Like I said, uh, a break from football, ready to dive back into some positive Arsenal chat. I come back and we've signed a player, so I hope all's well with you as well. All good, man. Can't complain. Can't complain. Trying to trying to keep busy during the summer. Like there's still obviously there's there's still work to do, but it does. It's not that it stops actually during the week. It's that it stops at the weekends and it gives you kind of time to do things, but when you're not used to having that time and then you get it, you don't really know what to do with it. And, and I've kind of crashed. I feel so tired every time the weekend comes along because I'm not going 100 miles an hour. But it's... Uh, yeah. Yeah. Harry, because my missus will hear you. She'll find stuff for me to do. <laughs> Brilliant stuff. Uh, good to see so many of you with us in the live chat as well. Uh, big hello to Henry, um, to Architectus Ducks, to Edward, to Chad, uh, to I'm always right. Uh, FTL, Guna, Craig, Femi's there. Eric's there. Uh, Panos is there. Danny's there. Oyelade's there. Big hello to Lynn as well. Uh, and Kello, Moss, uh, Gary, Mafia Boss, Doc and Seb, Maxim, Omar, Steve. So many of you in the live chat as well. Great to see you guys. Um, okay, let's, um, let's dive into the news then that broke literally half an hour before we've hit the live button. And that is that Arsenal have completed the signing of the 19-year-old forward Marquinhos from Sao Paulo on a long-term contract. Now, Marquinhos has made 33 first-team appearances during his time with Sao Paulo, and he made his first-team debut for the club uh, as recently as last July at 18 years old. Technical director Edu had this to say on the deal. He said, we're delighted to have completed the transfer with Sao Paulo 
as Marquinhos was a player we had been watching for a while. At 19, he is still very young, so he's a player for the future. We look forward to Marquinhos now joining us for pre-season, making his new home and continuing to grow and develop with us. Uh, let me come to you first, Sam. What's your initial reaction to this signing? Because there was a lot of talk that there was a legal issue and that there was a dispute over his contract and what the deal was with that. And Wolves were saying that they had a deal in place with him. There was so much nonsense around this whole deal. Kind of good to see it over the line now, right? Yeah, just I think for the sanity of obviously football fans is when the transfer window opens and you're seeing clubs get busy like Haaland's at City, Nunes coming, um, you, you you feel like oh I need I need someone I need someone to just salivate over. Um, so just getting a body in general is great. Um, and obviously he's a prospect. He's not gonna he's gonna do what Martinelli did, which is come in, bed himself in, um, and obviously hopefully turn out better than Pepe as a winger. Um, in terms of Pepe's going, and now we got a new prospect straight away to replace him eventually. Um, I'm not gonna. I'm not one of these guys that's gonna rave about. Obviously, I joke that he's like the next best uh, thing, but I know nothing about him. I've never watched him. He just has a cool name, and he's from Sao Paulo. So you're gonna get excited. Like we we have plenty of Brazilians that are good. Let's just add another. So no, positive. Always positive. He comes from Sao Paulo. There we go. We've got another one to sing it about. Uh, Trev, what's your what's your initial sort of gut reaction uh, to the news that the deal is done? I mean, to be honest, it, it wasn't that surprising. I thought this one was going to go through. Um, it, was, it was always just whether anyone was going to try and scupper it, like the Wolves thing, and, you know, we're going to have to go court. But it, it's great to see they're still buying for the future. Um, I'm happy about that. Uh, he should bet him well, because there's, as Tonk said, alluded to, um, there's a Brazilian contingent there, so he should be able to settle fine. Um, I'm happy about it. You know, it's it's but it's definitely one for the future. I can't see him doing anything much next season. Although I'd love love to be wrong, but um, yeah, it's it's the it got the ball rolling. It started the ball rolling, um, and that's that shows that um, our business is starting to get done. I mean, it's only like two three days since the window opened, and um, it will stop Arteta from. Throwing his toys out of pram, saying that the the, the bosses ain't ain't backing him, so, which is crap anyway. But um, yeah, uh, I'm happy about it. Any signing is good for us, you know. Yeah, and there's been there's been a lot of talk, and, and Lynn raises the point in the chat. Um, Harry, you've forgotten that he should have been on a free, and we went and gave them three million pounds. Well, there's a lot of dispute about this because actually, what actually happened was that FIFA recognized or sorry failed to recognize a contract that Sao Paulo had given to Marquinhos because of the age he was at when he signed it and there was a lot of complication because the FIFA rules and the Brazilian rules from what I understand are not the same and and so there was a lot of debate and a lot of back and forward about this but listen let's not say that it was a mistake to pay three million pounds until we see what this guy turns out to be I mean for, for many years, we've kind of sat here and almost obsessed about the finances of the club and said, you know, we should do this. We shouldn't do this. It's good business. It's bad business. It's good value. It's bad value. But at the end of the day, as long as he turns up and performs for Arsenal, it doesn't really matter. And I think that the way it's been put across that Edu and Arsenal are looking at this is, well, 
instead of trying to use a loophole because of a discrepancy between FIFA and Sao Paulo over this contract and almost stealing the player from them, by offering this up as a goodwill gesture, if you like, we will maintain a strong relationship with a club that, let's be honest, is a hotbed of, of real footballing talent. So, yeah, in an ideal world, you don't want to pay £3 million for something that you could have got for free. But I think Arsenal are thinking of the long-term implications here. And I, I know what's going to happen in the chat already. People are going to say, oh, my God, he's making excuses for Arsenal. He's making excuses for Eddie, because that's what I get all the time. But I'm just trying to look at this from a wider perspective. £3 million is neither here nor there to me. And it's not even, you know, it, it's not my money for me to be worried about or stressed about. Let's be um, fair. That's what, a couple of match days at the Emirates? like It's one. It's yeah. literally one. one. Exactly. So, right. realistically, it's just for Arsenal, Arteta, Edu haters to have an agenda like, what's gone wrong now? Oh, they spent three mil when he could have been free. Sack him. Like, it doesn't matter. It's really, it's a nothing fee for Arsenal, that. Nothing. I mean, also, yeah. Just quickly, if, if people are willing to pay that three million pound of match day revenue, a, a chunk of that, if people are willing to spend a chunk of that on that horrible Camden Hills stuff, that they drink in the stadium, then why shouldn't we spend it on a Brazilian wonder kid? I mean, come on. Let's be honest. <laughs> I mean, come on. It's, in, the, in the grand scheme of things, all right, to you you or I, uh, three million is not to be sniffed at for a club the stature of Arsenal. Damn right. <laughs> three, three million, yeah. Three million in this day and age is it, nothing, really. It, it's not. And, and the beauty of it is... Um, he doesn't have the pressure that Pepe had with the whole 72 million tag. It's 3 million. Um, so he has a chance to actually bed in without the pressure, without everybody expecting him to be this, um, the next Neymar stroke Pele. Um, and if he doesn't deliver, then, oh, he's, he's, he's a terrible sign-in and we wasted all this money. Um, we needed to pay 3 million. Um, that's stuff that we haven't done in the past where we've stumped up the cash when we could have got someone. And this time we, we've done that. Three million is, is a nominal fee. And I mean, for an 18-year-old, um, if he does half as well as we expect, then we can sell him off on for a lot more than that. You know, um, and I, I, I think it's a, it's, 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 it's a good move for, for both parties, really. For Arsenal and for Marquinhos. Sounds like your dog's enjoying it as well. Oh, yeah, no, actually. Let me just close the door. It's all right, it's all right, it's all right. right. (laughs) But yeah, I mean, I agree. That's all right, man. It's all good. Um, No, you know, it's it's part and parcel of business, right? As you say, we've we've bemoaned Arsenal acting from a, a position where you could probably call them a little bit stingy, you know, in the past. Mm-hmm. Um, we've seen it before. We've seen Arsenal um, trying, uh, trying desperately to kind of save a few quid here and there. And in the end, seeing deals as a result fall apart off the back of that. So I'm not too fussed about it. I'm not too bothered about it. Exactly. There you go. Suarez, prime example. Um, Matt says that you lot are going to feel really silly if we can't afford Jesus by three million pounds. Um, <laughs> <laughs> there was a really, really doing, good Matt? comment. Uh, this one from Clock End said, promising appetizer before the main Brazilian course, hopefully. Exactly. 
brilliant stuff. Fingers crossed that that is the case. Look, so that's the latest on Marquinhos. I'm going to do my best over the next few days. I've, I've reached out to a couple of people uh, today to try and get somebody on the show tomorrow who can give us a bit more of a download on the player because I've got to be honest, and, and just like you said, Sam, I'm not going to sit here and pretend I've watched loads of him. Of course, when we were linked, I, I jumped on YouTube and I typed in Marquinhos compilation, saw all the best bits, got overly hyped, think he's the next uh, Ronaldinho now and all of that jazz. But the reality is I don't really know an awful lot about him. So I'd like to get a bit of insight as to what his strengths and weaknesses are and we can take it from there. Would any of you be surprised if we were to hear that Marquinhos was going out on loan initially. Now, it doesn't say that in the announcement. And normally, Arsenal are quite, you know, like, for example, when we signed Austin Trusty uh, from the US, there was a point made that, you know, there was a good chance he'll go out on loan. Whereas in this, Edu says, we look forward to Marquinhos now joining us for pre-season, making his new home and continuing to grow and develop with us. Does that suggest to you that he's going to be part of the setup, or do you think they're going to have a look at him first and then make that decision? Uh, it depends on probably other players like Reese Nelson, um, who's obviously come back and is probably higher in the pecking order. But if you can get a few bob for him from a uh, fine order or wherever, then Marquinhos goes up. Um, it depends what their plans are for other established players like Marcelo Flores playing for uh, Mexico the other night. If he's ahead, so. Depending, like, if they see Marquinhos as the the backup to Pepe, who then is like our Carabao Cup winger, um, then yeah, it'll be. It depends if we can set. I think if we sell Nelson, then Marquinhos will stay. If we can't sell him, then Marquinhos will go on loan, and Nelson will stay. So it depends. Just before we we uh, jump into the mailbag, Trev, do you, do you think that this is the end for Nicolas Pepe? I think the end for Nicolas Pepe happened a while back um, for me um, the fact that he couldn't uh, you couldn't rest Saka as much as we wanted um, and and Arteta obviously didn't trust Pepe to step in I think that that was that was him ages ago so irrelevant of of, of the Pepe situation I think they're always going to get Marquinhos I think Pepe is going to go I'll be very surprised if he stays Um I will be very surprised if Marquinhos doesn't go out on loan. Um, probably around about January. Um, I would imagine that they're bringing him in to, to, to get him settled, make him feel at home, um, uh, you know, uh, meet the squad, get to know them, and then send him out on loan. I can't see him staying with us the whole season, unless... He hits the ground running and is just just amazing player that they they have no choice but to um he does he does a sacker and they have no choice but to keep him in the side. I I'll be very surprised if he doesn't go out alone. To be to be fair, just to add a bit on Pepe as well. I'm gutted because you know when he signed like the hype was mad. He just won league uh, and, um his first couple games like he was he looked so good on the ball. Um, and Emery ruined him for me. Like, Emery would play him four games and then bench him for four and then bring him back. It's like, this guy's first season, a record signing. Um, yeah. Maybe it was Emery's agenda because he always wanted Zaha. Um, he was mm. making a point. But to me, and then obviously Arteta can come in. It's up to. It's not Arteta's fault if he doesn't like him. It's He's the manager. Um, 
the one glimmer of hope was the Wolves game. You know, Pepe came on, changed the game, scored a great goal. You're like, oh, end of the season, Pepe's just done sick at AFCON. He's coming back and just, uh, you know, it just didn't happen. His cameos off the bench were pretty criminal. Like he was, he, his head was gone. It was awful. Um, yeah. It's just one of those. He's, he's our Di Maria to what United had, you know, it just didn't work. Yeah. Yeah, I feel for him. I really like him. Yeah, so, and, and I also think he's a player that if he goes elsewhere and plays regularly and almost rediscovers that confidence that he so clearly had when he came to the club and that little bit of swagger that he can get to a point where he's really impacting football matches. Because as you mentioned, Sam, he was brilliant um, when he came on in that Wolves game. He completely changed it and, and dragged us through that ultimately. Um, look, when it comes to... When it comes to Nicolas Pepe, though, in the future, I think it's just one of those I've just come to accept that it isn't going to work. And, you know, it'll be a, a shame to see him go. I think that the weight of expectation that he was carrying around with that 72 million price tag was was difficult for him to deal with. And as you say, you know, people will point to Mikel Arteta and, and they'll blame him. Well, had Mikel Arteta sanctioned that deal or been a part of that process to pay 72 million pounds for him, then I'd say he's got a responsibility to use him and to play him and to try and extract the most from him. But, I mean, even if you're a big, big Nicolas Pepe fan, you wouldn't sit here and say that he should start ahead of Bukayo Saka, would you? So it's 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 not an easy situation to deal with. It's not one that's cut and dry. It's not Pepe is so good and he should 100% be in the team. Because even when Pepe's on form, there's a question mark as to whether he gets ahead of Saka. And that tells you all you need to know about the difficulty we have in that area. Well, how many people in the Premier League would get past ahead of Saka in these positions at this moment in time? Exactly. So that, five that, players. Right. And they're, they're like established internationals in Man City or, or Liverpool or Chelsea or whatever. Um, I just think you alluded to it before. I, I think Pepe was just the wrong system at the wrong time. Because he's obviously uh, a um, transitional player, um, sort of counter-attacking forward, and that's not how that's not Arteta's plan A. Um, he's you can see now the development and the change, and people like um, Obergoing and 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 stuff. We're changing the system. We're not a counter-attacking team. And and I think a counter-attacking team suits Pepe the most for him to get a run of games. And like you said, it was unfortunate that Saka was in the team ahead of him. Had he not been, I think Pepe would have got the run of games that he needed and and would have would have would have flourished. Yeah, I guess so. I guess so. I guess we'll never know, really, will we? But um, <laughs> yeah, it's, when he does leave and when that time comes, there will be a part of me that looks back on it with a with a bit of sadness. More than yeah. you know, like some people, when when a player leaves who hasn't necessarily performed, they're kind of reactions, like good riddance. For me, it'll yeah. be sadness because I I do think there is a player in there, and um and and it just feels like we haven't been able to for a number of reasons extract. The feels, best like from Reyes. feels like Reyes. Feels like Reyes. Reyes for me was was right up there in terms of that list of players. You know, he for me mm. was someone with so much potential, so much ability. Yeah. We kind of saw glimpses of it, but we just didn't get it week in week yeah. out. Um, for again a number of reasons that were probably, um, you know, at that time Arsenal was so strong, like you you couldn't leave some of the players out that were at times keeping him out, um, and it was just one of those unfortunate situations. 
let's um let's move on to the mailbag then because we've got about what 40 odd minutes left and we've got loads and loads of interesting stuff to get through and i want to get some of the questions out first because i know that these are going to be uh, quite long debates probably um this one comes from george who emailed this into me and if you want to email questions in, uh, if you are a member, you can email me. Chroniclesafc at gmail.com is the address. Um, and, and I will pick some up from there because I know not all of our members are in the Discord server. Not because they don't want to be, but because they like some of them. are. I know one particular member just has no interest in Discord whatsoever and doesn't want to be on it. So there you go. Um, but George says, Harry, why are you so reluctant to pin any of the lack of significant business so far on Arteta or Edu? Basically, am I covering up for Arteta and Edu? Why do I... I'm every week with you, isn't it? It's, you just know, get it sorry. every week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, as owner, Harry, as owner of Arsenal, I really think you need to answer this question categorically and put it to bed. Um, no, I'm just... I mean, how long has the window been open? Days. Uh, the window's been days, literally days. days. Not even, not even a week. Yeah, and already people are losing their shit. I mean, come on. People it's... trying to have an understanding. They think when uh, Arsenal Everton finished at half four Sunday, they think right, transfer windows open. So yeah. Tomorrow, I want to see us agree a fee for. They don't under people. It's the Twitter yeah. culture that they don't understand how long a transfer takes. Like. Man City have tried to sign Haaland for they they agreed a fee for like that was a six month deal. Liverpool have been in talks with Nunes since they played Benfica in the Champions League. Like it, it takes months, but people would just they just want things done. If they think it's FIFA career mode, you know, when you agree a fee yeah. and you sign three yeah. players. Press continue player. a couple of times in the deal. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, I mean, you, uh, you put it like this. I mean, I've, I've pretty sure you said this to Harry if you're going for a job and you're in one job and you get interviewed it doesn't happen the next day they don't um if you if, even if you're offered a job on the day you still got to hand in three months notice and and sort out this and if you've got to move move house or move city you've got to look for a house and all the rest of it that's 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 day to day yeah that's us day to day so how the hell can you um expect a multi-million dollar a multi-million pound deal to just happen like that and all put you know you've got agents involved and and contract things and the 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 guy's fam whoever the guy is his family and whether he's married or not whether he's bringing over you know family from another country and all this got to get set up and also if i'm buying a house the first thing I do is go around the area a few times to see if it suits me. Yeah, even if I know that I want to buy this house. So this is just like ordinary everyday stuff. So when it's multi-million pound deals, you can't expect it to happen overnight. These players are are killing me, man. (laughs) Because like that Higuain one, I went to an Emirates Cup game and we played Napoli and Higuain was warming up down the line and Arsenal fans were going, Higuain, thinking we were going to sign him. Oh, my God. I'm never on. And I'm glad we we dodged that bullet as well. 
I've oh, got to read yeah. these out. I've got to read these out because our audio listeners won't have a clue what it is that we're laughing about. But basically, Clock N Seb said, we've been in talks with Higuain since 2016. <laughs> Matt came out with, we've been talking to Jan and Via since 2014. And Tariq uh, came up with, don't forget Draxler. Yeah, absolutely. Draxler is legend, man. Draxler is coming. Jack is coming. coming. I heard from he's, my my auntie's tea lady who's near He's coming near with um, he's coming with um with Solomon Kalu as well. Johan Gorkov. Yeah, exactly. Johan yeah. Gorkov, yeah, it's another one. Yeah. There's so many names over the years, isn't there? But look, let me just quickly touch on that question and then we'll we'll move on from it. Because I could see in the chat that a lot of people are like, What again? This question again. You know, why is it that you listen? I just think that I I'm not going to say that I have more knowledge than than everybody else. That's not that's not correct at all. What I'm going to say is I think I look at a transfer logically and I look at all the moving parts that are involved in getting one of these deals done. I think I used the example on the press review show that we dropped over the weekend. I think it was on Sunday. You know, Gabriel Jesus is the example here, right? Everybody's saying, why isn't it done yet? Well, first of all, Manchester City want to keep Gabriel Jesus based on everything we're hearing, right? So you have to get Manchester City to come to the table, right? So first, you have to make an offer that appeals to both you or is fair for you, but also for Manchester City, something that you can agree on. So that's the first step to find that agreement. The second step is to find the personal agreement with Gabriel Jesus, who will probably be wanted by a number of clubs this summer, who then might go who then might go to his agent and say, okay, this is what's on the table from Arsenal. I want you to go around now and find out what Milan, what Real Madrid, let's say the clubs that are rumoured to be interested in, hypothetically speaking, I want to know what all those other clubs are offering. And that takes going backwards and forwards between those guys. And then they're going to come back to him and they're going to say, okay, this is what we've got. Have a think about this. Now decide if you want to go to Arsenal. There's so many parts to this. And why would Gabriel Jesus, a player who holds all the cards right now, because he ended the season so brilliantly, you know, his stock is right up here. Gabriel Jesus is in a power position and he has the ability to stall, to delay and to think about what his best option is. And unfortunately, whether people like it or not, and people always say this, oh, but we're the Arsenal. Everybody should want to come here. We are not dining at the top table right now. So we have to do a lot more convincing than Manchester City had to do for Haaland. Put the money to one side. Forget about the money, okay? Because we know that Arsenal aren't going to go and drop £80 million on a striker, right? So forget about the money. Even just convincing someone that this is the place to be is going to take a lot more work than a club that are sitting right at the top of the pyramid right now. And people seem to forget that. And it drives me crazy. So... Arteta might be all in on on Gabriel Jesus. He might have said to the club, I want this guy at all costs. Do whatever you can to make it happen. Edu might have done all that he can to try and make this happen. He may well have gone and offered an amount of money that is reasonable. And he may well be sitting there looking at his phone, waiting for it to ring to get some sort of response. We don't know any of that. So I hate putting blame on people when I don't know what the situation is. And it's so quick and easy to do that. And it's so reactionary for me that it just drives me absolutely bonkers. And 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 that's the bottom line to that question. It's not me defending Arteta or Edu. Um, you know, I don't know them. You know, I, I want them to succeed because they're in charge of my football club. They're not my mates. We don't have barbecues together. We don't go on holidays together. I've got no reason to blindly defend anybody. But I just don't think that 
you can poke fingers at people when you don't actually have a Scooby what's going on. I mean, you, tell you me if put, I'm wrong. You, you, made, you made a good point there about the Jesus, but like you look at man, even if we were at the top table, look at how long um, the Man City Harlem thing is going on. That's been going on since last season. Yeah, so you, you talk about Man City, they're the top team in the toughest league in Europe, and they couldn't get that, that deal through for over a year because Real Madrid were involved, PSG and all these other people, and even Dortmund wanting to keep him. And you also got to remember, it's uh, Jesus would be an idiot if he didn't weigh up his options, if he didn't see what's the best feel. Okay, um, I can go to Arsenal, be the top man, but are they are they gonna? Yeah, are they are they matching my ambitions? Um, at City, I'm not the top man. I know what it's like here. I've been here for what five, six seasons now. Um, and there's Real Madrid, and yeah, they won the Champions League, but look at their side, they're still rebuilding. All those kind of questions, he would be an idiot if he didn't go through those. And that, that's, that's just the ones I've just come up with here, and that would take me time to think about. So um, it, it, will, it will happen when it happens, and you, you can only, unless you go to, to go, unless Edu and Arteta have gone around to his house with a gun, and you know, kidnapping these kids and say sign the sign a contract, or or you know, you'll never see your family again. What can you do? You know, you when you go when you go to a restaurant for the first time, it would be like walking into a restaurant and saying, "I'm going to have this without looking at the menu." Why would you? Yeah. Why would you do that? Exactly, exactly. And that's that's just a meal that you're having for the evening. Exactly, it's, it's, it's not it's, a it's, deal worth tens of millions of pounds. And we've seen it so often. You know, so often players make a move in their careers that ultimately can see their career go off the edge of a cliff. I've seen it so many times. I mean, compare Romelu Lukaku's stock last summer yeah. to this summer. Right, just think about that. That's because he's gone to a place where it isn't the right fit. Um, exactly. You know, and, and, and he that, thought and it was. Yeah, he exactly. Thought it he, was. Thought, he thought it was spot on. Um, I have to apologise for like blowing my nose and stuff live on the show. I, I really do apologise. Um, as you guys have known over the last few days, the hay fever is, is really taking its toll on me. But stupidly, I had a bit of a gap of work before. So I had a meeting cancelled. I had a bit of time before this show. And I thought, oh, let me uh, let me get the missus off my back and go and cut the grass this time at the in the back garden. Stupid idea. Because uh, it made me feel 10 times worse. But, Did you yeah. use your mate's trimmer? The big no, no, no. See, the back never got to that point where it needed, like, you know, serious tools. The back I normally keep quite cool. Um, it's normally okay because the kid wants to go out and play there and whatever. So I'm always quite um, quite uh, on top of the back. But the front I was just like, oh, not going to happen. Surely, gonna happen. surely your son's old enough to, uh, you know, put him to work at a gun. You know what? I'm trying. But you know what? He's a bit dangerous. He's a bit reckless. I mean, so on the lawnmower, right, there's like to, to start it up, you've got to press one button and hold the trigger. Yeah. So I never thought that at three years old, he would know that. So I left the lawnmower in the middle of the lawn. Someone's going to call the social on me in a minute, but I left the lawnmower in the middle of the lawn and went to move something. And when I turned around, I heard, I'm on. And I was like, what the hell's going on? He worked out that you have to do the trigger and the button. So I've got to be really, really careful. <laughs> really <laughs> dangerous times. Oh my God. If you want to call the social, um, 
DM me and I'll send you my address as well. Uh, no, joking. Let's get on with it. Uh, another question. Um, I'll put this one to you first, Sam. Are Arsenal at risk of falling further behind the elite this summer if we don't wrap up our business early? Similar sort of question. But of course, I, I and just before you answer, Sam, I think this for me is born a lot out of the Darwin Nunez deal because we were linked with him and Liverpool have come along and they've done it pretty quickly. What I said earlier, I think, is relevant here in that it's easier for Liverpool to do a deal like that and the fact that they're capable of chucking in 85 million um, helps as well. But, um, you know, do you think that we're at risk if we don't if we don't get it right this summer, that all the progress we kind of made last season could be undone very, very quickly? Um well, I mean, the elite, we'd, we'd say are Liverpool, Man City, Chelsea are probably there. Because um, let's, let's be real, they are. They proved against Madrid they're an elite team as well, um, despite all their final losses and whatever. Um, the, the problem we have is that obviously Tottenham, um, as much as we hate to say it, are moving swiftly. Like, they've got Perisic in. Um, Jed Spence is apparently coming. They've kept Conte for now. Uh, they've kept Kane, it seems. So the problem is is not the problem isn't really the elite. It's the fourth spot as we saw um, behind them. Because obviously the only way we catch the elite is getting in the Champions League. Um, so we either need to come fourth or win the Europa this season. Um, and obviously that is harder when we didn't get Champions League. We have to work harder, like you said, to get players to actually get us closer. Like, let's be real. That in terms of the elite, we're talking about the best teams in world football. Like, like you said, the ninety men debate the other week was: Are Liverpool the best team in the world? Well, they're definitely one of them. Uh, Real Madrid are there, but so are Liverpool, City, and Chelsea. So, realistically, people are actually saying: um, Can Arsenal catch the best teams in world football? And that is pretty <laughs> like realistically, that's near on impossible unless we get people like Jesus, like T. Elements, like uh, Saliba, who's now come back, he's going to slot in. So are we at risk? Absolutely. But, I mean, we, we're far behind them anyway. So we need to just do our best to get the talented players in we can. Um, but at the end of the day, it's out of, our, it's out of our control if the elite decide to buy Nunes and Haaland. Like, well, you can't do anything. You know, it's not our problem. They can buy the world-class players, hot prospects. So we try our best. But realistically, in terms of catching the elite, it's it's out of our control if they just go miles ahead, really. Here's, here's an unpopular opinion, and I'll get your thoughts on this, Trev. I don't think that we're, unless the model of operation at the club completely changes, and that's not going to happen under KSE, I don't think, not because of them specifically, but because of the way football has gone in general, I don't think that you can compete regularly. I mean, Liverpool, for example, right? Jurgen Klopp has done a fantastic job. And when it when they've made signings, there's been m many more hits than misses, right? And that's contributed to their success. But at the end of the day, Jurgen Klopp could leave Anfield with just one Premier League title. One. Think about that. Think about how many years he's been there, how good a job he's done, and he still only managed to win the title once. So doesn't that say to you that it is all about the money now? Because Manchester City are incredibly dominant, have been 
you know, barring the last few seasons where Liverpool have closed the gap, but still have only managed to get ahead of them once. And then you've had Liverpool, uh, Chelsea, I beg your pardon, who have been incredibly successful over the last couple of decades. Again, another club massively bankrolled by a really rich owner who was happy to throw money at it. Are we in a place now in football where we're asking Arsenal to close the gap on the very, very elite, as we put it, but we're missing the fact that fundamentally the way we operate means that we can't possibly do that. And, and if we did do it, it wouldn't be sustainable in the way that Liverpool in the Premier League and f- with the titles is not sustainable. They've done it once. They thought they might have done it this year. They fell short again. Is it is it realistic to expect Arsenal Football Club and all the other football clubs that aren't bankrolled by super wealthy billionaires to be able to consistently compete at the very top of the game? Um, it, it's doable, but only by the models that we are currently working under or like Liverpool are. I mean, we even if we got in all the signings that we wanted, we were never going to catch Man City and Liverpool in next season. So that, it, it's, it's kind of a moot question because um, we, we were never going to catch them. Uh, as to falling behind, uh, the only way I think we fall behind is if we don't sign anyone. And, that, and that's not going to be the case. Um, at least I pray it's not. Um, so this, this whole thing of, of catching Man City and Liverpool, we're not there yet. We're not. We're not um, next season is about getting into fourth or into one of those four top four spots and consolidating it. That's what we need to be doing rather than looking at Man City and, and, and Liverpool and going, yeah, we've got to catch them because you can, you, you trip over yourself trying to get there instead of looking at who's around you. So it's one step at a time. You, you, unless you're a five-year-old, you don't take the stairs in your house five steps uh, as you're going up or five steps as you're coming down. You take them one at a time. And it's, it's just the same in football or, or in life. Um, we're on the process. We're doing what we need to do. Um, if we get in the players that we need to get in, then we move the next run up. Um, I think the, the more important question is, can we bridge that gap of the three points that we missed out on the Champions League or a point or wherever it was next season? That's us catching up. And... If we can get the right players in, um, then we will take the next step to catching them. Um, I, I, we, Nunez, we were never in for. A, we didn't have the money, and B, we couldn't offer the same um, the same carrot that that Liverpool can. Of course, yeah. And it, it took. Remember, it took. You think for both for both Pep and um, uh, Klopp, it didn't happen overnight. It took them both at least two, three seasons to get to where they are now. Yeah, even even Pep, the first season, people were like, who is this guy? He don't know what he's doing, blah, blah, because he didn't win the title straight away. He still hasn't won the Champions League. Um, it's, it's, it's seeing the, 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 the mountain climb as like, okay, we get to this bit, then we, we, we take a rest, and we get to this bit, and we take a rest, and which is what we do throughout the season. I, I mean, unless we do absolutely nothing in the transfer market, we, we will we will make the step. We will climb the ladder. 
The problem is football fans, you know, the new era of football fans have grown up with Chelsea, with uh, Man City going, if we don't win something this year, you're sacked and we're going to get someone yeah. else in and then he'll win. And if he doesn't, we'll sack him or we'll sack him. And then Arsenal fans are probably there with their mates going, look at me, I've got a Champions League. Look at me, I've got £90 million player. And Arsenal fans are like, uh, you know, we've got nothing. And like, uh, we've got FA Cups, whatever, but they're desperate to get to that level. So they're like, well, the only option we have is to sack sack people. Um, that's not how... Not every football club can be run by a country, lads. You know, And so. also, Stan the Man makes the point in the chat that we are owned by billionaires. We absolutely are. But if, if you listen to the way I worded the question, it was in the, the current model that we operate under. So forget what they, they have. Forget how wealthy they are. They're not going to do what Roman Abramovich was doing for all of those years. And we now know why Roman Abramovich was doing that, don't we? Um, mm. I'm, I'm proud that my club isn't associated with any of that. You know, Newcastle have had this influx of wealth and, and they're all buzzing and they're excited because Mike Ashley ran the club into the ground. But you can't tell me that there aren't Newcastle fans out there that will look at any success that they have over the next few years and feel that it's a little bit tarnished. Oh, because of, again, because exactly because of where that money comes from. There are lots of clubs that are owned by billionaires, but there are not many billionaires that will attack it the way that Roman Abramovich did. And there are not many state-owned clubs in the way that City, PSG are, where the wealth is, is so vast and the pockets are so deep that they can just continuously throw money to fix mistakes. I mean, when, when Pep Guardiola came in at Manchester City, he signed Claudio Bravo to replace Joe Hart. And within a few months, he decided that he didn't want him either. And what did they do? Here you go. Here's another check. Go out and get another goalkeeper and you can replace him. When he had problems at left back and right back, how many fullbacks, how much money did Manchester City spend on fullbacks alone to get to the point where they are today? So we can't do that. And we can't do that, not because KSE can't afford it. We can't do it because they refuse to run the club that way. And that's their prerogative, right? But at the end of the day, that is the fundamental reason for me why Arsenal cannot compete sustainably. Now, that's the key point, yeah. sustainably. You can have a one-off season and be great and get there and do something and achieve something. I've seen that many times in football. But the, the example of Liverpool in comparison to Man City is the perfect one. Because even though Liverpool have been near flawless three times, Three times in the Premier League since Jurgen Klopp took over. They've had incredible points tallies. They've only ended up with the silverware once. Once. Why? Because there is a beast in Manchester City that are so strong, that are so powerful, that you can't compete with them. Even when you're nearly perfect, even when all your transfers are nearly perfect, even when you sell perfectly, even when tactically you're spot on, even when your team is injury-free and everybody's, you know, in top tip-top form you still face the chance of failure when you come up against the likes of Manchester City. So to say that Arsenal can just go bang and be at the top, I agree with you, Trev, that it's steps. You know, the next step is to get into the top four. After that, the step beyond that for me is to establish ourselves as regulars in the top four. Then you can look beyond that. We can't look that far ahead now because we're not there yet. And also, the, the, the teams you mentioned, the Newcastles and the Man Cities, it's not just one billionaire. It's a team of billionaires. You know what I mean? It's, it's not just one guy. I mean, Abramovich, we know his story, and that, that's an anomaly. 
but like these are consortiums of billionaires. So it's you know okay, Stan and his son and KSE and all the rest of it, but that's just one billionaire. I mean, I think his net worth is I don't know maybe four or five billion. Yeah, you're talking about teams that have four or five billion of five 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 or six men who've got four or five billion or maybe more. Um, the same with the Newcastle. You just said it, it's, it's it's a state. Yeah, um, whatever name they give them, it's, it's a state, and they 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 have got X amount of billions. So one can they could eat easily chuck a billion at the club each and not notice it. We're not in that situation. Liverpool are not in that situation. Chelsea are no longer in that situation. Um, you know, uh, it's like you said, like you said, the the whole Chelsea thing that ain't happening anymore. That only happened in one club, really. And that was Chelsea, where they were sacking managers. Look, your Watfords and your Southamptons and whatever, who run the same program of like getting rid of managers. They're not in this. They, 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 Watford are a yo yo club, and Southampton are just managing to stay in the mid table. So it's, you can't look at those, like the Abramovich model rule, and say, oh, that works. That worked for Chelsea at that particular time. Um, the Man City, Newcastle thing. Time will tell in Newcastle, but again, this is billionaires, plural, not just one. And our billionaire has a Super Bowl winning, you know, American football team. We need to concentrate on actually getting our billionaire to focus on Arsenal. We, yeah. we, like, yeah. we need to hope, like, oh, you've got your Super Bowl stand, now come and get us some trophies. Like, so... Yeah. Again, like not many billionaires have different teams. So our own problem yeah. is our billionaire was actually taking money out of Arsenal to put somewhere else. But people don't want to hear that. So it's, uh, it's, it's as I said, it's not about the the wealth of the owners. It's about the operating model that they have chosen and that they continue to run with. And as I say, you know, it's it's their football club, and we can't stop them. That's the the frustrating thing about it. Like we don't have any say in that. But I think it's not, and, and people always throw this at me, you know, it's accepting mediocrity. It's not that. It's accepting what the situation is and then setting your expectations accordingly. Like for me, and I don't know about you guys, when I go to Arsenal, it's my hobby, right? It's it's what I love doing. It's my escape from the house. It's my time. You know, like I always get people saying to me, oh, why, why don't you take your missus with you to the games? Or why don't you take your son with you to the games? My son's not old enough yet to go to a game and actually watch the game, right? I'd, I'd be chasing him around. He'd probably be sitting there watching an iPad. He'd probably tell me he needs to go to the toilet five times during the half. Like, it's, it's, he's not ready for that, right? So, I, and this might sound really selfish, but at this moment in time, it is my thing. And now it's my work as well. So, I need to go there and I need to be concentrated and I need to be fully invested in it. But if I turn up there, by default miserable every single time because I expect us to win every single game, even though I know deep down that that is completely unrealistic, then it's not fun anymore. It's not an enjoyment anymore. It's not a hobby anymore. So yes, of course, I'd love to see us right at the top, but I'm realistic about the way we're run, the way we operate, what we have at our disposal, the fact that we've got a young manager who's learning his trade. We've got players who are young and who are learning their trade. And my expectations are based on that. It's not accepting mediocrities, understanding where we are. It's two very, very different things, and they always get confused for me. Um, look, let's power few, uh, through a couple more questions uh, before uh, we sign off. Bear with me uh, one second. Um, 
Here we go. Let's take this one from PM1 Guna. Do you, like me, think that Nuno Tavares has the ability to be an absolute monster and would benefit from a loan to gain experience? If so, which league would be best for his development? Um, Sam, let me come to you first on this one. Nuno Tavares had a, a really poor second half to last season. I, I don't think there's any way of sugarcoating that. I think that's the reality. However, is there still a player in there, in your opinion? And how do we go about trying to rebuild his confidence and getting him the, uh, you know, the, the the experience, I guess, that he needs to, to find himself again? Um, what's your solution to the Nuno Tavares issue at the minute? Yeah, I, I mean, I'm not going to lie. Like, I see all the hate for, I love Nuno, man. He's just hilarious. Honestly, like that last game against Everton where he was just shooting from four, I was like, this guy's hilarious. Like, I saw someone <laughs> tweet a couple of months ago, like, he's a boue 10 years yeah. on. I'm like, he is a boue. He is actually Emmanuel Abue. He is erratic. He is a silky dribbler. But he half the time, he looks like a headless chicken. Um, but you know what? You, like you got to love him in a way. He's he's playing as if I watch him, and I would play as if he was playing. He's running a hundred miles an hour. Half the time, his brain's not caught up to his feet. But he, he he looks like a nice guy, and like he he you know the way he posts on social is like he he is honoured to be at Arsenal, and you only admire players for that. Um, so to be honest, people are quick to write off guys, and they're like sell him. I'm like. We need his kind of character. He is, um, I saw someone tweet that. He hadn't actually played that many first-team minutes for Benfica. Um, I think he actually played nearly the same amount of first-team minutes already at Arsenal as Benfica. So that shows he's quite a raw talent. As for going on loan, uh, I'll be honest, I would miss him. I kind of don't want him to go because, again, I just like watching him. Um, I know he had a poor second half and I know he's got mistakes in him. Um but sometimes, like you say, you play through it and you get better on the job, um, as Arteta is doing as a manager. Um, as for the league he would go in, I mean, like a league, like obviously league Un's proven for Saliba to be good, so he could go there. Um, it would mean we need a left back, though. So is it worth loaning him to then need to buy a left back? Like, it seems a bit pointless. Um, so I'd just keep playing him, like... People remember at the start of the season, he was actually keeping Tierney on the bench. Tierney was woeful at the start. He looked like a, a lost player. And to be honest, the whole season, Tierney hasn't been great. Uh, God love him. His legs are just like gone as well. But um, there is a player in Tavares. He is just raw. And people need to understand that he isn't an established first team player at Benfica. He was raw there. Um I'll be. I, I love him. I, I want him to keep going, and I want him to come through it. Um, he needs to just play through it at Arsenal, in my opinion. Trev, what what would you do with the with the issue that is Nuno Tavares at the moment? Because I think Sam's spot on. Right, raw talent. Somebody that I think has probably played a lot more than they initially planned, um, largely due to the injury problems that that Kieran Tierney's had. But how do you go about rebuilding his confidence? Because he's clearly suffering from a lack of it at the minute. I, it's for me. If I was Arteta, arm around his shoulder, I'd keep him. Because both of you just said it. He had his first season in the Premier League. Yeah, which is everyone agrees notoriously most demanding, physical, 
toughest league in the world. He had half a good season in his first season. That shows there's a player in there. You know, um, I would keep him. I don't, I, I'm like Tonks. I like him. I don't want to see him going alone. I think he just needs coaching up and he will be fine. The fact that he kept Tierney out for any length of time, and that weren't injuries, that was Tierney couldn't get back in the side, shows that there's, there's talent there. He had to learn. Everybody has to learn. Their first season in the Premier League is a learning experience. You suddenly realise, whoa, tempo's really, uh, really high, physicality's really high, this isn't, this isn't um, Belgium, this isn't uh, uh, Dutch League or whatever it is. Um, this is top boys football. This is big boys football. And no one's going to, whether it's the team that's being relegated, no one's going to give you an easy ride. Um, I think he's obviously a talent. Um, better people than we know uh, suss that. Um, I, I, I want to see him stay. I, I think next season is going to be um, brilliant for him. I think Arteta knows what to do to get his confidence up. I don't think his confidence was that shot, um, to be perfectly honest. I just think he was like, ooh, okay, made some mistakes here. And he will learn. He's, how old is he? Like, he's, he, he's not even 20 yet, is he? No, I think he's, he's not. He, he, right. He's, he's not even 20 yet. And he's had he's half a good season 20, in the Premier 22. League. Oh, is he 22? Oh, 20, right, 22. Sorry, 22. That's but a young still, boy, though, right? That's still a young exactly, boy. Exactly, yeah. exactly. And he's come over here, had half a good season. And I, I, for me, I think it's a no-brainer. You just go, look at the, the half a good season that you have. You just need to replicate, replicate that consistently. And I, I, I think it would be a mistake to send him out alone. If you did, I would send him probably Bundesliga or Championship. Championship for the physicality. Uh, of the Premier League, it will be tough, and he's playing against big boys. Bundesliga, uh, I think it's cl- of the big five league. It's probably the closest to ours in tempo and and maybe not physicality, but in tempo and stuff. So, if he was to go, it'd be Bundesliga or Championship. See, I have a slightly different view on this. Uh, there was a link earlier today that we discussed on the press review uh, linking him with a move to Atalanta in Serie A. And I think that that would be, if we do loan him out, and bear in mind, I only want to see this happen if we're going to bring someone in. Yeah. Because we can't afford to leave ourselves yeah. short, right? So if if the stars align and we're able to send Nuno Tavares out on loan, I would think about letting him go to Italy and specifically to Atalanta for a number of reasons. So first of all, they play with wing-backs. To me, Nuno Tavares is a wing-back, okay? It allows him to get forward and do the things that he feels far more comfortable doing. He's far more comfortable in the opposition's half than he is having to be narrow and compact and sticking to the centre-half. I just don't think that's his game. So not only would he go there and play in a role that I think would really suit him, I think his physical attributes, his pace, his strength would stand him out in this area. He'd have a big advantage there. But also, I don't think there's a better place in the world to go and learn positional play and to go and learn tactical discipline and systems. And And I think that's what's missing from him. I think he's got a lot of raw ability, but it's just about refining some of those parts of his game. And I don't think, as I say, there's a better place than Italy to go and do that. And I think Gasparini would be a really good coach to, you know, he's a coach that's traditionally got 
brilliance out of wing backs, a bit like Antonio Conte has, but obviously at a lower level with Atalanta. Mm-hmm. Wing backs thrive in Gasparini's sides, and I think that not only would it teach him a thing or two about positional players, I say, and tactical awareness, but I think the confidence boost it would give him would be massive. Um, and, and that's what I would do if, as I say, the opportunity presented itself to do so, not at the expense of Arsenal leaving themselves uh, short, though, of course. Um, I'd slightly disagree with yeah. you there. Yeah. I, I, in, yeah. in the fact of, yeah, I, I get the, the tactical side, but the Italian game doesn't give them, him the intensity. And I think um, his lack of technical nous was because he had to think too quickly on his feet because of the intensity of the Premier League. And that's the only reason that I would... Um, I would have against him going to Italy. I, I agree with everything is, else you said. Is intensity the be all and end all though? Because I mean, in the Euro final, I thought Italy dominated England, and they don't have anywhere near as much intensity, physicality. Um, I, I just think we make too much of that. I think for me, we look at the Premier League and we go, "It's all about intensity. It's all about intent," and no one else can handle it. But you don't actually need to be at one hundred miles an hour all the time. I don't think. And I think that no, but you need to think that way. You do. I think you need to think. But that I way. think, but I think sometimes slowing it down, if you're struggling with something, is the way. So you know, I I used to play music, right? And and I play an instrument that you need to move your fingers really, really quickly. And when I can't get a bit in a song, and I can't pull it off because it's too fast, I slow it right down. I pull it right back, and I do it really slowly, and gradually I build up the speed because I've trained myself to do it and then you can fly and I just think that that's what some players need they need that stripping back they need to go back to a level of give him an extra split second to think about something so that he gets into the habit of making the right decisions and then you can put him in that environment and maybe you know you'll see the benefit from it I don't know I don't know Um, let's take one more question before before we wrap it up Uh, I'm just trying to choose one um uh, Joe Kerr says, I would definitely go the Europa route if it was a case of prioritizing. But what would you prefer, basically, out of finishing in the top four next season or winning the Europa League? I'll come to you first, Sam, on this one. Oh, the Europa every day. Um, uh, yeah, I saw Joe say that. Um, and. Um, yeah, it's, to me, there's unfinished business there because that Chelsea game was just so scarring. Um, that Olympiacos game, even more scarring um, from being at the Emirates that night and actually leaving before Aubameyang missed that um, sitter because um, I was so deflated from that uh, winner from Olympiacos. Um, so, yeah, the Europa. And obviously, if you're going to get in the Champions League, pick up a trophy on the way. Um, but... It doesn't mean that we don't give up top four. We try and do what West Ham have done and go as far as possible in both. Um, We have a better squad than West Ham, so you'd like to think we can compete for longer in both. Um, But if you offered me both right there, I'm picking Europa League all day. We have unfinished business. We haven't got any significant European trophy yet in our history. So, yeah, Europa League all day. Trev, same um, um, yeah, and we talked on that. It's a trophy is a trophy. Um, apart from anything else, it gives us another reason to um, to lord it over them down the road. Uh, I I would take the I would I would I'm, I'm with Tonks. I would take the Europa any uh, over it 
um, because fourth is a position. Yes, it shows progression, but um, when you can lift the trophy, it's it's nice. And also, it does something for the mentality of the team because they've won something. Um, uh, again, to talk about them them not down the road, um, the biggest criticism when Pochettino was there was that they didn't win anything. Had they won anything, had they won something, they would have stayed together and they would have gone on and moved from strength to strength. And I had this debate with, with the mates in the pub the other day. I think, um, yeah, I'll take Europa because it's a trophy. Um, it proves to the team that they can win something um, and they can go on a consistent run. Uh, but like Tonk said, um, love the, the still going for fourth and that way, do it that way. I think for me, obviously, I'd love to win the Europa League, right? Because I don't remember the last time Arsenal won a European trophy. Like I was alive, but I was too young to to remember it. I remember it well. It. Yeah, see, I I can't remember it. So for me, that would be something to tick off my list and I would be delighted if we could achieve it. But I think if I was to step outside of my fan shoes and look at it as a, a an analyst, I think that actually finishing in the top four would signify more progress because it would, as some people are saying in the chats, you know, show that we've been consistent over a long period of time. And I think that gives you a better indication of where the team is at. Um, so, yeah, let's let's do both. Can I give you a caveat to that? Go on, go on. Mate, Say again, Tom? Um, yeah, do you think it will be easier to win the Europa, though? Because, obviously, yes. in, yeah, so... Maybe if you're thinking tactically, you're thinking, well, I've got a better chance Arteta may stack his eggs there. Um, mm. Obviously, we don't know what United have done yet in the league. I'm just thinking if United do what they might do, then we might. I mean, again, it depends on the transfer window. What are, Can we compete for 38 games? Is our squad built for that? Or Arteta has proven he's a cup manager, like FA Cup final, Carabao semi, Europa, quarters and semi. So... We do better in cups, so maybe it's easier. So maybe he goes there. Yeah, go on, Trevor, I, I, I think we can, we can we can consistently go because I mean, remember again, I'm saying it. We missed out on fourth by three points, um, and if we get the signings that we want, we'll be a stronger squad. Um, yes, it's easier for the Europa, but uh, I'll put the caveat to you: is if we won the Europa and finished fifth, wouldn't that still be the progression? We missed out on, say, say we finished fifth and missed out on a point or two and won the Europa. To me, that would still be the progression as if we got fourth and didn't, and didn't make the Europa. Um, because this would be going deep in two competitions and giving I think, it all yeah, back. I, I get what you're saying. I think you'd have to, I think it's really hard to say whether that would show progression though until we actually see it unfold. Like if you thought the performances yeah. were better, if we were mm. more competitive with the bigger sides, for example, like there's a lot of stuff that I would want to sort of judge it based upon. Uh, because as I say, I think the league form gives you the best indication of what you are as a team. Mm. Um, I think a cup can, can skew things. I think if you get a favorable draw, if you get a bit of luck in a game, you can end up going all the way and, and, that's great. Of course it is. And it's a sign of a winning side and a strong mentality to be able to get over the line in those situations. But I just think that the league will always give us the clearest indication of how we stack up against the teams that ultimately we want to be competing with. But yeah, all great points. Uh, guys, thank you uh, so, so much for joining me. Really, really do appreciate it. 
Um, and uh, thank you to all the members who sent in questions. Thank you to everybody in the live chat who's been alongside us. Uh, we're going to be back very, very soon with some more content. We'll be dropping a couple more episodes tomorrow. Uh, so stay tuned for those. Uh, hopefully you're going to get that Marquinhos breakdown done. Um, so yeah, should be good. And uh, we'll bring you a press review show tomorrow as always as well. So uh, lots to look forward to. Make sure you leave a like on the video if you haven't done so already. Uh, I don't think we're doing too great on the likes tonight, uh, but there's a fair few of you watching. So let's try and get those up. I know I bang on about it. I actually hate asking for them, but they really, really do help push the video out. They do help the channel. Subscribe if you're new. If you want to become a member, have your questions featured and opportunities to join me on the show, you can click on the link in the description. And we'll be back very, very soon. Until next time, take care of yourselves and uh, stay safe. Goodbye. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon.